Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Out of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, liberation, and empowerment. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here on this day to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. If you'd like to get your thoughts on the air, you can do so by calling the number 347-237-5230. That's the number you can call to get your thoughts, uh, commentary on the le- on the air. Also, you can um, log into the chat room that's open right now, and you can get your thoughts in on that. We're also available on our Facebook page, Zero Network. You can go there, and um, you can make your comments on the Facebook page on the topic there if you like, and leave us messages um, as to whether you, uh, your thoughts or insights there. Also, you can follow us on our Twitter page. Uh, the handle is at Zero Radio, and my personal handle is at Prophesy. And um, hit us up at Zero Radio um, for any emails or anything like that that you'd like to do. We're glad to, that you are joining us this morning. you got to excuse me, I'm a bit under the weather, uh, so <clears throat> trying to keep my composure <laughs> and, and not not uh, cough too loud, sneeze too loud, or anything like that. <laughs> but this is the day the Lord has made. We're glad to join. We're glad to be about it, on it today. See, I can, I can barely talk. <laughs> Jumbling, rumbling, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, I got a topic that I'd love to talk about this morning. And the question I'm asking is, are we too fast to forgive in light of some things that's happening? Um, uh, When is the best time or when is the right time to forgive someone who's committed a crime against you, a violent crime against you or your loved one? Um, Or, another perspective, um, should one even have to forgive? Is it an obligation to do so? Um, so we'll talk about that and um, uh, other things as we go forth. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We bless you for today. We ask that you uh, go with us in this broadcast. And everything we do, let it be to the honor and glory of your name. And let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. We pray. Amen. All right. Um, I came across some interesting headlines, and there's kind of too many to share, uh, quite a bit to share. But uh, I may share some. I may not because I really want to get into the uh, topic for the day. 
But um, I hope everyone had a happy Easter or Resurrection Sunday weekend, whatever you want to call it. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I, I I do hope that you had a good time. And um, if you didn't celebrate it, I, I still hope that you ate good. <laughs> Somebody was cooking some ham somewhere. There was a Sunday dinner supper somewhere that you should have gotten to, even if you don't observe Easter. <laughs> you should have gotten some good ham. You should have gotten some chocolate. <laughs> anyway, um, it's Resurrection uh, and I'm I'm sure quite a few churches was packed. I'm quite I'm quite sure there were some beautiful hats and some outrageously colored suits. <laughs> that's what Easter is all about. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that's how some people treat it. You know, I I remember growing up, we used to have some of the best suits. My grandmother would buy us some of the best Easter suit. I was I was always the best dressed young kid, you know, boy preacher and all that stuff. I was I was, I was dressed to the T. Made sure that I was dressed to the T. She made sure that I was dressed to the T. But but either I digress. I just I just thought I'd do that. I hope everyone had a had a good weekend. And I hope that the week has been great so far too. Um again there's so much news to go on and talk about. But um I'm going to focus in on three on uh, on the fact that in the week time, literally in in just a period of about seven days, we've had um, highly publicized uh, murders that were committed by black men, and so so I'm I'm you know I'm foregoing all the the news and headlines that I like to share. Because it's, I find this very interesting, um, this dynamic, and particularly the last one that happened just uh, either yesterday or I believe it was yesterday with the um, the black man in uh, what is that? It's in California. Um, boy, I, I just had it. Anyway, his name is um, Corey Ali Muhammad, and he uh, last week he killed an armed, armed, or he killed a security guard at a uh, a hotel, and said that he was not going to go to jail for killing a security guard. So he upped the ante and killed randomly three white men. That's it. Just began to kill. Just began to shoot randomly. The first person he shot was a white male who had just started working for a particular company. Was on his first day uh, in the field and is killed by this person. And then uh, he um, he goes on and randomly shoots two other persons, white males. And I'm, uh, you know, this is clearly, this is clearly um, intentionally a hate crime. And I think the police chief of that 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 city is defining it as such. He has stated that it was not terrorist, even though the the guy has adopted an Arabic name, implying that he may be a Muslim. Um, or I don't know. Um, and and the guy's young. He's young, committing a crime. Um, and then you have the um. You have the incident that happened on Sunday with um Steve Stevenson, I think that's his name. Um, who. Uh, oh, Fresno, California. That's what happened. Fresno. Um, so anyway, um, Steve Stevenson, who killed um, 74-year-old man coming home from going home from Easter dinner with his family, randomly again, killed uh, him and um, 
before or after posting um, rants and live videos uh, from Facebook. And then last week you had um, the San Bernardino school shootings that was committed by, again, another black man as apparently a very much uh, domestic violence. But he walks into his strange wife classroom, opens fire, kills her, kills another uh, special needs student, injures another one, and then uh, kills himself. And, of course, we know that uh, the Stevens man killed himself. Now, I, I bring this I bring this up only because, I, you know, this this type of behavior uh, in the black community in the black community um, is has been used against us to in in so many ways it it is it it's it's been our it's been making us silent you know we just like to keep our our closets closed and when we have this type of exposure you have three black men committing three very publicized crimes and it exposes the death of of the dissidents in our community. And it's part of the problem is that um, we are still indirectly addressing it. We're not directly addressing it. We're still dancing around it. We're still, you know, of course, these are all isolated events, but there's a connection to it, you know. There, there's a, there's an underlying connection to it because there's a survivor of domestic violence having had my mother killed uh by her lover as a um a person who has been affected by murder on three separate occasions by black men it was a black man who killed my mother it was a black man who killed my brother it was a black man who killed my nephew um now, the fact that we know that we commit these crimes and we harbor the defense that, oh, like the woman said about Stephen yesterday, where well, he really isn't a bad person, he really wasn't da 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 ya ya so forth, so on, and, you know, whatever. The fact that we still allow ourselves, allow our communities to be plagued with this says a lot about uh, ourselves and how we view our our race, how we view ourselves as people, as a community. We 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 got to be more proactive. We can't wait until something like this happens and it gets national news that we begin to halfway address it. Because you know, um, when when Stephen was going on his rant throughout the day, most of us. We're in church. Many of us were listening to pastors talk about uh, the resurrection, talk about probably the women at the tomb and not the men at the tomb, or uh, talk about some form of prosperity because of Jesus rising from the dead and now we're entitled to some form of prosperity. Uh, We were hearing stuff like that. And while that was going on, we had men... Or whatever his name, Steve Stewart, whatever his name, y'all know him, going on Rampage and hearing and reading what what he wrote in particular, it was very disconcerting to me. Now, in in the case of the San Bernardino shooter, um, it, it, it was stated that he was a religious man. Uh, one account said he was even a pastor, and I, I'm not sure how accurate that account was, but I, I, I think I shared that story on Facebook. But anyway, he had a, a religious background, a Christian background, a, a background of faith, and he was able to 
and you know he was able to operate in such a great dissonance that this person who claimed to have this wonderful faith this this uh solid faith in Christ this uh ministry whatever it was was unable to you know control behavior and allow the rage to you know whatever it, whatever that triggered that emotion in him that caused him to want to go and kill his uh, strange wife that he had only been married to for a few months. Uh, and in the case of this uh, um, Muhammad, you know, if he's a if he was a practicing Muslim, whatever it may be, I don't know. I don't. I haven't read. I haven't read anything up on him, and I'm quite sure they'll find some. I'm just glad that, you know, I'm not glad, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, seeing him apprehended said something. Now, there was only other, the only other time that this has happened um, where a black Muslim went on such a rampage that made national headlines was back in 2001 when the D.C. sniper, who turned out to be uh, converted, a uh, Muslim and his apprentice, the young young black man, you know, they went on the shooting spree and I think what they killed ten or eleven persons. Uh, may not be correct, I can't remember. But anyway, you know, he he went on a shooting spree, and again it was just random. <laughs> had had the people in the D.C. metro area, uh, you know, it, they were scared and they had the right to be scared. So. Um, I just wanted to lead off with that because while it may seem, uh, it may seem, it may seem like it's this is just uh, random things and this just happened. Uh, we know in many black communities that most of the crime that's committed is of course black on black crime, and while we are more churches are are trying to adjust uh, address it. Many churches are trying to address it. The problem is that we're not aggressively addressing it. We're not aggressively telling those persons who possess uh, firearms that are illegal to give give them up. Um, I just read uh, uh, on a friend's Facebook page where uh, there was a double shooting, a double murder in his area, and the double murder the person, uh, one of the persons who was killed, had a firearm, and it was unregistered, unlicensed, but he had a firearm because he was a member of the gang and he needed protection. And he stated that um, that owning a firearm, having a gun, gives you gives a person a false sense of protection. And I, there's some truth to that because in in this case, the person who was killed, even though he had a weapon, was unable to discharge his weapon fast enough to protect himself and uh, the other person that was with him. Um, and you know, you may that may be, again, that may be. There's some truth to that. Sometimes having a firearm give does give us a false sense of protection. Um, but I. I the reality is that while much of the crime in our black communities are committed by black persons, um, it, it, and matter of fact, it's, it's the same in every ethnic group. You know, in white communities, most of the crime is committed by white persons. Uh, in other communities of color, you know, minority communities, it's the same. Uh, the the crime is more than likely committed by a person of that group. Um, it's just that with blacks, uh, for some reason we have been conditioned to not engage and be proactive. You know, I don't know why, how it started, or when it started, or uh, but you know, you can go back decades, probably even a century, uh, post. Uh, post-abolition, you probably can find it then. It, that may be the case. It may not be the case. I'm, you know, I'm just making an assertion here. Um, but, but the thing about it is, is that while we are 
afraid to confront the issue, what we are seeing is the issue becoming more prevalent. And the more prevalent it becomes, of course, the, the more national attention it gains. Uh, the crime or the killing in Chicago, um, the reason a lot of people are crying out against it is not so much because that is happening. It's because of the um, unintended, con- unintended consequences of it. You know, you, you have children dying. Um, and it, you have you have random victims um, uh, of violent crimes. It it just you know so they're crying out against it. Either way, we really do need to cry out against it. We need to be more pro- pro- proactive. If we are expecting to see any type of um, really radical transformation in our black communities, we have got to be engage it. And one of the ways of engaging it is by acknowledging the fact that it's happening. And okay, you know. So I just found it fascinating that much of the news. Uh, of violence has been committed by black men, which is going to, in in so many ways, it's going to add to this perception, a negative perception of black men. You know, especially now that now that one has intentionally randomly killed white men, that is not going to help us much at all. It is not going to help us much at all, and it's going to further put this sense of fear in some white people. And I know we don't want to think about that. I, I know we don't want to see it as such, but that's just the reality. It's 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 going to make some white people, especially those who are already buying into this ideology or this imagery of black people as the 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 perpetrators of most crime as black men as the you know the imagery that they're seeing that that been put out over the century over the over the decades about black men that we are that we are highly toxic beings and that toxicity carries over into our work, into our relationships, and eventually into uh, the violence in our communities. We are unable to control ourselves. We are unable to uh, patrol ourselves. We are unable to do all of this. And that imagery is kind of some of the things that uh, drives the political machinery here in the South. And also in the north, but a lot in the south. Yeah, and it's just a sad thing. Let's see. I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break. Let me let me take a quick break. And when I come back from the break, we, we'll get into the topic of forgiveness, um, because I think, I, and I'm, I was trying to find a quick segue in, into the topics, um, particularly um, with um, the Stevenson issue, the Stevenson case. Um, you know, it, it, it's always something very interesting. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we'll get into the topic, uh, um, do we forgive too fast? You know, when is the right time to forgive someone who committed a crime against you or someone you love? And what does that look like? And, of course, we're going to we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get it from a, a a a biblical perspective. You know, what does Jesus say? What does Paul say? Uh, from a New Testament perspective, uh, and um, from a um, theoretical perspective, and from a um, psychological perspective, how you know what are the underpinnings of forgiveness? What does this say about us? So take this break, and I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Boomers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. And at Progressive, we let you compare our Progressive Direct rates. Great deals for real. And our competitors' rates side by side, so you know you're getting a great deal. Even the moolah. As you can see, sometimes Progressive isn't the lowest. Not always the lowest. Jamie, what are you doing? I'm being your hype man. No, we said we wouldn't do it. I'm sorry, we were talking about savings. I liked his way. Cha-ching! Talking about getting that money. Talking about getting that money. Savings worth the hype. Now that's Progressive. And at Progressive, we let you compare our Progressive Direct rates. Great deals for real. And our competitors' rates side by side, so you know you're getting a great deal. David? Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. about it again we hope that you had a happy uh, Easter and Resurrection Sunday and whatever you did to celebrate that however you celebrate it or if you didn't celebrate it hope it was a good one but anyway we're talking about this morning I'm asking the question uh, do we forgive too fast are we too fast to forgive now I, I asked this question again as I said in the previous segment I'm a person that's been affected by uh, violence murder death, uh, tragedy, three times over, uh, my mother, uh, my brother, and my nephew, more recently, um, all tragically killed, um, and um, my mother, you know, as I, as I share in my story and in my book and uh, uh, with the Survivor Network that I'm a part of, you know, having been only five years old when my mother was murdered, um, I didn't quite understand even the idea of forgiveness. So uh, that never came about. I, I, I didn't know anything about forgiving my uh, my uh, murder, my mother's uh, murderer. Um, but I did learn to forgive, and I eventually did forgive, although it took some time. You know, I didn't, it, 
I didn't do it right afterwards. I, again, I was too young to really even understand what had happened to my mother. And um, you had in the idea of forgiving. Now, I, I didn't. Now, I'm not sure about my, uh, you know, her sisters, her brothers, or her parents or grandparents, my great-grandparents. I'm not even sure if they did. Uh, uh, to this day, I've not publicly asked them. Uh, you know, I've never directly asked them. Uh, my 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 grandfather, in particular, my mother's father, in particular, I've never asked him directly. You know, when did you forgive the man who killed my mother? I've never directly asked him, but I I know, in a sense, that he has peace with what happened to her. I don't know how long it took. Um, the same thing with my grandmother, even though she's never articulated any form of grief uh, for for all of them. Um, I'm not sure how long it took her or if she has. You know, I, I've never bothered uh, with my mother's siblings. I've never bothered to really ask them. I won't say bothered. I just never, I, I never felt the urgency to ask them. And I don't believe they've been really shared that they have forgiven him or or that they did forgive him afterwards, you know, how long it took. Although now they are all at peace with it, Some, you know, but then again, it's 37 years later. So um, maybe after 37 years, maybe they still have not. And I know when my brother was killed in 2007, 2010, that was nearly 30 years after my mother was murdered, and so there was still I, I saw the opening of those wounds with that incident. You know, the opening of those wounds and the fact that the person who killed my brother, uh, not only was he uh uh well well I knew him, you know, we schoolmates. Uh not only were we schoolmates but you know, relatives. You know, I think he was like a uh third cousin or something like that. But he was a distant relative. Um, but in that particular case, and with the case of my nephew, to be honest with you, I have not forgiven. Now, I am at peace with the fact that um, I have closure that it happened, it's over, he's resting. Um, but let me, tell you, let me tell you why I say I have not forgiven, because um, although I have come to terms with the fact that this person did this crime against um, my brother in particular. Um, this person expressed no remorse <laughs> for for the act. And that, that made it difficult to, to even address the fact that I need to, to forgive him when he is expressing no remorse. We were in the court. And every time we went to court, you know, he'd see myself, my grandparents, and my brother and I, we walk in and we sit down. We sat with his family. We didn't sit, <laughs> our families didn't sit on opposite sides. We all sat in the same area. You know, I think we were, sometimes we were intermingled, and we all had the same sense of agony and angst that that happened. That our beloved person, you know, a loved person was gone, and that, you know, we had to wrestle together as a unit. <laughs> Both families We had to wrestle with the fact that this happened And I saw The fact that my grandfather Forgive me Was was quick to forgive Because During the time of the trial When we would go to court He had no problem With knowing the family Of the, the person who killed My brother was there he had no problem sharing water with them. He had no problem sharing conversation with them. He had no problem. At least he did. You know, he was interacting with them. And I think he understood the importance of it, even though he's not directly said it. You know, he didn't say, he didn't get up before the judge and say, I forgive you to the person. He didn't do that. But by his action towards that person's family, he displayed a love and a mercy and a compassion that I just... I, I commend and you know, <laughs> uh, and I have not. Per I did not personally say I forgive him either. Regarding my nephew, I can't say I forgive the person who committed the crime because the person who committed the crime has not even been found yet. 
uh, as far as I understand. So it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a antagonizing issue because as a believer and as a pastor, we are encouraged by scripture to do so. Um, and you know, I could go through the litany of, of scriptures that that do so. But there's one scripture that that's, that's always made me wonder when it comes to this issue of forgiveness. And why do I say forgiving too fast? Are we too fast to forgive? When I think about uh, 2015, after Dylan Roof walked into uh, Emmanuel, Mother Emmanuel in Charleston, and killed those nine persons, uh, the following day or days following that, when he was making his appearance in court, to hear the families of those victims uh, say they forgave him made so many people around the country wonder what was wrong with those people. How could they say such a thing? How could they say that they forgive this person who was intentionally intentional on committing a, such a heinous crime? How could they say that? And yet, you know, it 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 it, it sent. A, a great sense of warmth and love to some, but a great sense of confusion and uh, anger to others because they're like, this guy just did that. How can you say you forgive him and he just did that? It's too fresh. You know, you you have, you have not seen, and still we have not seen much re- a sense of remorse from that person. And and yet you're saying you forgive them. And likewise, on Sunday, um, the family of uh, Brother um, Godwin Sr., his children, having learned that their father had been killed live on Facebook, get on television and say, well, we forgive him uh, because we we know God wants us to, and that's not exactly what they said, you know. Uh, but to say that each one of them forgave, uh, they felt they they forgave him, and they wanted to wrap their arms around him, and they just wanted to show him the love of God, because that's what you know, that's what God uh, wanted them to do, wanted them to do, and and that uh, one daughter, I believe, she said. And uh, I don't have the direct source for this, uh, but uh, um, I believe she did say that um, she know that she could not have forgiven him if she didn't have God as a savior, and and that uh, because of that sentiment, um, this idea of because God. Admonishes us to do so, which he does in several places of scripture. I mean, I could go on and on, but he never said. <laughs> well, that's, that's the famous one in I think it's Matthew where Peter comes to Jesus and 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 asks the question. Um, um, Jesus, uh, if my brother sins against me, how many times do I forgive him? Uh, is it only seven times? And Jesus said, no, as many as 70 times seven. You know. Um, <laughs> and, but while he says every, it, the frequency of it does not det- <laughs> still, you know, there's the, the, you got to forgive him. He, get, he d- keeps doing it. You know, 70 times 7, so that's what, 490 times you forgive them, and after that you ain't got to forgive them anymore. <laughs> but it doesn't say about the frequency of when you should. Do you forgive them right after the act, and then he comes back and do it again, and you forgive them? Because that's the way I was when I <laughs> when I didn't understand it any better. But then there's another scripture in Second Timothy. Paul talks about uh, Alexander who had offended him. And basically, Paul says, uh, you know, Alexander did such a, a hard thing to me, and because Alexander did this, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just believing the Lord is going to repay him for what he's done. 
He did not say, <laughs> I, I forgive him. But he says, I, I know I'm going to get some justice from the Lord <laughs> on this matter. And of course, you know, having just last week been Good Friday, and Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But Jesus did not say, I forgive them for what they are doing to me. So the question, you know, the question about the frequency and the question about what does it look like? What does forgiveness look like? Is what I, I wanted to uh, address. And I go back to my grandfather. My grandfather, <laughs> my grandfather to me is the essence of the uh, image of God. By that I mean being compassionate, being merciful, being forgiving, and providing grace. Because there's a lot of stuff that we as his children and grandchildren have done to him that he rightly <laughs> and would be justified in cutting us off <laughs> and doing whatever, you know, holding holding anger against us for <laughs> as long as he lived. But it, it, in each moment, he was quick to forgive. I'm, 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 you're talking about a man who let his – I stole the car one time. And it was an uh, it was an old gold Pinto, seventy five Pinto. It was a standard shift, and I was still learning how to drive. I knew how to drive in the automatic, but I was still learning how to drive the standard, right? So you know, what did I do? I knew how to put it in reverse and first. <laughs> so, so while he was at work, I decided I'm going to drive the car, and I didn't know how to shift past reverse and first. And I ended up really doing some damage to a car over a period of time because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I had no idea what I was doing. And he was so <laughs> pissed. And that's putting it lightly. And he never once said, I forgive He told my butt up. And he still taught me how to drive it properly. So I, I, I now I know how to drive a stick. You know, a standard shift. I, he still taught me how to drive, just not in that car. <laughs> he still lets me drive him. Uh, he has a old, uh, old little pickup truck that's a standard, and he lets me drive him in the pickup truck. <laughs> so that's definitely forgiveness. But he never forgot. <laughs> he has never once forgotten it. And every now and then, he, he'll, you know, he'll be on the sly, like, you know, Throw in the slide. Well, yeah, you driving good, but you remember what you did to that? <laughs> He'll bring it up. Now, I'm glad that God does not do that. <laughs> God does not bring up our sins. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But uh, the fact that, you know, he was, my grandfather is able to forgive, even if he doesn't forget, he's able to process it. I don't know if he processes the emotional side of it. But he's able to process the penalty side of it. He's able to understand uh, the, gra uh, the gravity of his response, his reaction. So as a kid, yeah, he's going to whoop us. Uh, but, I, you know, he I, I can say, you know, he's whooping us because we committed, you know, this thing. But he was whooping us, in essence, to directly punish us for, you know, but, you know, get his point across. Um, but I, I was in this. I was in a my friend Mandisa Thomas, who is the president of Black Nonbelievers Incorporated, and uh, shout out to Mandisa. Uh, posted um, a, a post yesterday on um, Facebook about uh, forgiveness, and I I responded by saying. Uh, I think she said the lady said that she would find she was in a discussion with a, another lady, older lady, and the older lady said that she would find it difficult to forgive, or she probably wouldn't be able to forgive. I can't re recall directly, but anyway, I posted a response to saying I I find that true because even at this moment I am wrestling with the uh, with forgiving the person who killed my nephew. And that's that's just the truth, you know. I'm wrestling with that. Uh, 
the fact that this person did that. And so um, other persons spoke about, you know, uh, violence that was committed against their loved ones and how they are not going to forgive. And their perspective was, 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 you know, was that we don't have to forgive them. They are not obligated to be forgiven by us, especially if they are unrepentant. And um, and this assists the truth to that. Um, one of, one of the basic teachings of the church, both in Roman Catholicism and in uh, Protestantism uh, and evangelicalism in America, is the idea of loving your neighbor, loving God first, loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, which means that you, if a neighbor does something to you, you don't want to just harm them. You should, at least, you shouldn't want to. Sometimes they <laughs> make you want to. <laughs> uh, but you know, just as as the scripture says, that the Father has loved me, so Jesus loved us, and so we ought to abide in His love. I think that's in um, I want to say John chapter fifteen, somewhere in there. Um, but this is what he says. This is my command that that you love one another as I have loved you. Yeah, that is John chapter fifteen. So, um, part of our catechism is part of the Roman catechism, Roman Catholic catechism, and 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 again in a lot of Protestant churches, the idea of 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 um, charity, love, is the thing that we should we should engage. But at the same, time, but at the same time, um, when we're dealing with forgiveness, in this sense, it's it's not so much as uh, about forgiving the the act as it is forgiving the person. We do not, and I may be wrong about this, but I love to hear it. You know, we don't have to forgive the act. That's what the laws are for. The laws are to prevent the act from happening. And when a person violates the act, and what comes along with that should come along with a sense of guilt for for violating the law. You know, if they violated violated the the law civilly, uh, however they violated, particularly in the act of murder, um, there should come with that sense of violation of the law, a sense of guilt. If a person does not express that sense of guilt for the violation of the law, the question is, should they receive forgiveness for the act? And my perspective is no, you know, you don't, we're not God, we don't have to forgive them for the act. But we can't forgive the person. Humanity is what it is. Uh, We have Beasts who, for whatever reason, um, be it in a violent act or whatever it may be, uh, you know, they do these things. But as humans, it's still important for us to forgive. It's still important for us to have mercy by the fact that they are humans, you know. Um, And there, there will be some kind of condemnation on their part. For whatever act they commit, there will be condemnation. Um, and I know people would, agree, would disagree with me, that, and that's fine. That's fine. But you know, when we learn to forgive, even our enemies, what we find is a sense of emotional health, wellness, and that's you know, we we can we can move on. However, I don't have to forgive them for that act, especially if it infringed upon. Uh, my life in some capacity. Now, is there an interconnection is the question, you know. Is there an interconnection to the fact that um, that the person who commits a crime against us, be it a violent crime, be it an emotional crime, but whatever it may be, uh, physical crime, if they commit an act against us, When when we come to terms with the reality of that 
then we can then commit to acknowledging the fact that it happened and we can go forth. That should be sufficient for a lot of people, and that is sufficient for a lot of people in the recovery process, in the healing process. Yet they never forgive the person. Or they never forgive the, they never forget about the act that the person committed. And and, and again, there there is some overlapping in, in that, in that. But I still believe, you know, Christ is our example. And we find throughout Scripture, you know, that's what's funny. Not not funny. This was interesting. I find, and in John chapter eight, when Jesus captures, uh, when Jesus is, when the woman who was caught in adultery is brought before Jesus, and when they when they try to get him to follow on their sides, on their side and help bring about a conviction for this great sin, and Jesus. Stoops down, writes in the ground, and one by one, those persons who were her accusers walk away, and they stop. They drop the the stones that they had ready to stone her, and when he looks up, they're gone. And he says, "Where are your accusers?" And said, "They're gone." You know, and said, "Well, if they're gone, so so are your sins. They're forgiven." Now, four chapters prior to that, he comes across a woman who. He meets at a well, and he tells this woman all about herself and tells her the fact that uh, she's been married several times, and the person that she was uh, romantically involved with now was not her husband. And he tells her that she could have uh, living water, but he does not forgive her. At least not the description in the text, it doesn't say he forgives her. But just the fact that he acknowledged who she was and what she had been doing had going on in her life was enough for her to realize that this man was a prophet was enough for her to realize uh that he was greater than just some you know itinerant preacher and was enough for her to become the first stone evangelist to her town to the men in her town to some probably some of the men that she had been involved with and she says come see a man who told me about myself she didn't say, come see a man who told me about myself and then forgave me of my sins. Now, we can apply that he, he did. We can apply that, but no explicit uh, reference directly into that. But my point is, you know, forgiveness in and of itself is subjective. The idea of how I should forgive is subjective. The need to have to forgive, the requirement to forgive, is subjective. Scripture admonishes us to do so. We are strongly, as believers, as Christian believers, we are strongly encouraged to do so. Doesn't mean we have to do it right when it happens. Give yourself time to process the emotion. Give yourself time to process the act. Give yourself time to process the reaction or the response of the person who committed the thing against you. But most of all, you know, of course you want to seek the Lord and and ask for his assistance in that matter. I, and, and I know, you know, it kind of seems... You know, like a double standard, either, either you forgive or you don't, either you accept or you don't, you know, is no black and white, is there no black and white, is is it either one way or, or another, must die or must die, Jesus said 70 times 7, uh, so am I obligated, the frequency of this act, am I obligated, if it's a continue, if there's continuity in it, am I obligated, if it's effectively Negatively affecting me emotionally, am I obligated? And you know, I don't think God would mind not obligating you, releasing you from that obligation. I don't think He would mind releasing you from that obligation 
once he's done it for you. If he's done it for you, if he has forgiven you, if he has no account held against you, if he's separated as far as the east is from the west, if he's done that, that's a good thing. But as a pastor, I don't want to, you know, obligate you to ignore what you may be experiencing emotionally so that you can fulfill the obligation or requirement. And I think sometimes in our haste to be the the better persons religiously, spiritually, that we'll say, I forgive you, but I won't forget. We're still entangling ourselves in that emotional conduit that will not free us from the reaction of it. We're going to react. We may not react negatively, but we'll react. And then we may not come out in a in a manner that, like, what old boy did, you know, because of his girlfriend or whoever else. He blamed in his rants. But. But. We must be aware. And I think that's the essence of this thing. That's the essence of it. Being aware that you have the opportunity to forgive. When you do forgive. You have the opportunity. To say that I don't want this person to be freed from a sense of guilt. I don't want this person to be freed from a sense of awareness of the crime that he committed or she committed against me or my family or my loved one. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at least knowing that you have that uh, that power to forgive, knowing that Forgiveness first releases you before it releases the other person. Knowing that you you don't have to deal with the the guilt associating associated with if you don't want to forgive. As some people will have you think, you know, you don't forgive this person, well God ain't gonna forgive you. And what scripture doesn't say that. At least I have not found it to say so. I may be mistaken. And, and again, I didn't want to go through a list, a litany of scriptures, because uh, you know, there's there's more to it than that. But however we, however we deal with that process of forgiveness, it's just good to know that we have the ability to do so. We can forgive each other. We can forgive ourselves. And as humans, we need to realize that we we do it more. And we need it more than we care to admit. All right, I've, I've run out of time. And I'm, I'm so glad that you guys joined the show this morning. Uh, if you're listening to the show, I uh, want to invite you to tune in every week, every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. And you can always catch up on archive shows. Go simply to Zero Today on Blog Talk Radio. And you can catch up with the archive shows there. Or go to the Zero Network on Facebook. You can... Um, like the page on Facebook and catch archive shows there. Visit my page, LorenzoTNeal.com. And again, follow us on all our social media. And um, wherever you can find us, we're glad. And we're glad that you're tuned in. But I got to get out of here and get the rest of my day started. But anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll be looking forward to you again this time next week. The Lord bless you and keep you. I'm out of here. Bye.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.